Welcome to The Saint Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring hope to the people of East London, and I'm praying that you would feel so encouraged by this week's talk. Good to see you all. Um, how's everyone doing? You okay? <laughs> Let me try that again. How's everyone doing? You can talk. It's all right. Uh, it's wonderful to see you. Particularly welcome if you're here at Saint for the first time. Um, we are really delighted you're here and uh, just want you to feel right at home. So there's a, there's a desk on the way out. You can go and connect and find out what's going on in the life of the church. You can find out how you can make yourself at home. You can get involved in all that kind of stuff. I'd love to encourage you as well. Um, if you weren't here last week, um, I tried to kind of give a bit of an overview of some of the things that we just sense God is doing in this moment as a church. And if you, um, I don't know if it's on the podcast. Is it on the podcast? Yeah. 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 yeah, last week. I don't know, I'm looking at you, Nate. <laughs> he doesn't know. Um, it, uh, like on, I think on YouTube, where can you listen to talk from last week? Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Wow, okay, Spotify, Apple, and YouTube. Wow, okay, I'm so out of date. I don't know where everything is, but um, can I encourage you, if you weren't here last Sunday, because um, I feel like it was an important Sunday for us as a church, and I shared some of the stuff that I feel is on our heart as a team, and um, yeah, go back and check that out. And today, um, as it happens, we plan this like a year and a half out, but today is actually kind of a bit of a family meeting for us as a church community. We do this kind of two times a year where we look at the vision of the church, where we're going. And so you have on your seat a, um, a thing called the All In Campaign. Uh, it is yours. If you want to steal it, you can take it. You're not stealing somebody else's brochure. Uh, and this gives you a bit of an idea of um, some of the stuff that's going on in the life of the church, how you can get involved. And particularly, I guess, if you're new to church and you want to find out like what's going on, what the kind of like the show and tell of what, what we're involved in, how much it costs, the kind of vision, and um, how like you can get involved in making friends here. Um, this is a really important kind of introduction. So I'd love to commend that to you. And you will notice um, if you uh, read the small print that we also lay out twice a year uh, the kind of needs of the ministry and what we think God is providing in terms of the income. And we do that with kind of, um, kind of open hearts because we're not in the business of running a big kind of charity. We, we live month to month dependent on God to provide for what we do here. And as we often say, the reserves of the church are in the pockets of our members. And that's you and me. We get a part to be part of this. And you'll see that there is um, a kind of target that we're praying God will provide. Um, the gap between our what we feel God is calling us to do, the expenditure, and what we see coming in, which is our income. And that gap at the moment is £582,380. And no one is under any compulsion to give anything. If you are brand new to church, um, please go away, pray. Um, Think of how you might be involved. If you're a visitor, uh, you can treat this as the normal offering that we take up each week. But if you have £582,000 you're desperate to get rid of and you feel God calling you, um, then it's a great way to respond. We want everyone to be involved in this. Um, and so you also, secondly, is a, is a give card. And we're going to be taking up an offering later on. And this is a joy to do. It's part of our response to what God is doing in this season, is to say, Lord, we're all in with what you're doing. So the gift card, we're going to um, fill in later on. And I'd encourage you, if you don't yet give here as part of your discipleship, to not leave tonight without having started. Start somewhere. Start with one pound because it moves you from being a con consumer to being a contributor. And it's at the heart of what Jesus talks about of being a disciple is that you be involved in the life of his kingdom. So that's a way to get involved. Um, what's the vision? Well, the vision really simply is Jesus. That's it. We can all go home now. No jokes. The vision is Jesus. And, and in a sense, what we're 
on and what we're about as a church is following Jesus in his mission to bring hope to the people of East London. That's why we're here, to watch and see what God is doing and to follow him to serve the people of East London. I have a video that I'm not going to play. We made a really nice video. We might post it on Instagram. So go follow our Instagram and you can find out of all the highlights of the last year. And I don't want to play that just right now because I just sense um, there's other stuff the Lord wants to do tonight. And I'm not trying to persuade you with anything uh, here. I want to just share a little bit instead of, of what I sense is our heart as a church in this moment. And I guess what I want to speak about is... What I've sensed a little bit of what God is doing in this season, and it is an extraordinary season. Over the last few weeks, we've seen God begin to do really exciting things here. And um, we've heard some of that tonight, but I want to unpack a little bit of what I believe God is saying to us as a church community as we navigate this. Oh, hi, Kaz. Just a bit, a bit late. Where have you been? Oh, okay. Sorry. She was leading worship. She was leading worship. It's a joke. It's a joke. Um, I feel that killed the moment. I feel I need to repent now. (laughs) We love you, Kaz. Can we just give it up for Kaz? (laughs) Uh, I try and like make fun of Kaz, but she's so holy, it bounces off. It's like, um, yeah, it's just, it's bad. I shouldn't do it. Um, Let me pray as we begin. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you that your kindness, as we've heard, is what leads us to repentance. We thank you that you're so kind, you're so good, that you love us, you love the people of this place. And we humble ourselves tonight and we ask that you would lead us as we make room for you tonight. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. So I'm going to show my age. My favourite TV show is The West Wing. I don't expect anybody to watch the... Has anyone watched The West Wing? Oh, I'm not alone. It's like me and five people, okay? Um, but one of the, uh, the West Wing is basically a drama about the, the West Wing of the White House, and it's centered around the Oval Office and the President's team. And whenever anything exciting happens in the West Wing, usually the President will walk into the room and he will say, Hey guys, I need the room. And that's like code for something's happening. Something is happening. And any distraction, any agenda, any kind of people or, or, or like, like plans that are not aligned with what is happening in that moment have to leave that space because the president needs the room. And my sense in this moment is that Jesus is saying to us as a church, I need the room. It's almost like over the last few weeks, God has walked into this church in a very unexpected way. And it's not just been here, it's been across all our locations And he's just said, hey, everybody, stop the agenda, stop the distractions, stop the competing priorities. I need the room. And that's because I believe the king wants to do something new in this season. And I'm so excited. Hands up if you'd rather be doing stuff which God wants you to do than like doing church or doing religion. Right? Some of you undecided on the question. I made it very unclear, but the hands up option was the right answer. Okay. Um, And over the last few weeks, we've just seen um, God do really amazing things. Like, let me give you some examples. We're beginning to run out of chairs across the 10 services we have at Saint. Uh, At different locations, people keep messaging me saying, we've got no chairs, we've got not enough enough chairs, we need to get some more chairs. Um, Last Sunday, we saw more people commit their lives to follow Jesus um, than in the previous three years put together. 
Like 55 people made decisions to follow Jesus last Sunday alone. Isn't that amazing? Can we just thank God for that? And let me tell you, it ain't the preaching. (laughs) It's not the preaching, all right? We've just begun to see this wonderful sense of God's presence resting on broken hearts. As you heard from the guys standing on stage, most of whom are half my age, that God is resting on broken hearts. And the more I speak to people, the more I hear of just stories of just kindness, the unmerited kindness of God um, seeming to just want to visit people. I'll tell you one story. story. On on Tuesday, we had a staff meeting. We always get together 9.30 to 10.30, and it's usually pretty boring. We, like, worship for, like, 15 minutes, and it's not boring, boring, but, like, it's... Sorry, sorry, guys. So my team are like, oh! I mean, it's like... It's it's great, but it's like... (laughs) Dig. Okay, it's not the most like exciting moment of my week, okay? It's like staff meeting, it's like we get together, it's coffee, pastries, we do feedback. Actually, it's great, it's amazing, we worship together. Thank you. Um, This Tuesday, something happened at our staff meeting that was unexpected and and highly awkward. Let me explain why. Literally, one by one, people started to get up and share what God was beginning to do in their lives. People were weeping. There was a sense of the presence of God just filling people. And we couldn't, like, we couldn't end the meeting. We tried a couple of times to say, if you want to go, go get on with the things you presumably got to do, that you know, we're paying you to do, go, go and do those things. Nobody left. The meeting ran on till lunchtime. And um, the awkward bit was the Bishop of London and the Bishop of Stepney. So my boss and my boss's boss were coming for a meeting at 12 o'clock. And we'd got really organized. We'd like organized like different groups of people to meet them. Oh, you know, this is this person doing the Caleb stream. This is this person doing the Peter stream. It was a kind of show and tell of all that God has been doing in the same community. And quarter to 12, I was like, the place, everybody's on the floor. Like there's no like, there's no tea or coffee. There's like nobody like lining up to welcome. There's like nobody like who's meant to be there in the right place. And I had this like moment of like a bit of anxiety of like, what are, what are they going to think? They turn up and it's just like, everybody's just worshiping and people are weeping and people down the front getting prayed for. And um, so I went to the door of, of, of the church and I sort of said, I stopped on the door and I said, there's a whole kind of party with them, you know, the bishop and the other bishop and the kind of bunch of people from the church being in. And, and so I said, I'm really sorry, I'm going to have to stop you. I just want to brief you before you come into the church that um, I'm really, really sorry. Jesus seems to have turned up. <laughs> and people are meeting with him. And I'm really, really sorry. And the bishop said, Al, isn't that a good thing? And I said, yeah, I suppose it is. It is a good thing. She said, well, we better go inside, you know. And she came and just sat at the back, and, and honestly, it was an amazing time. I've been hearing stories all the way through the week, connect groups, people being filled with the Holy Spirit, the presence of God resting with people, the men who are praying early morning. Our prayer meetings here, like, doubled in size in one week. Like, I couldn't get into the chapel on Thursday morning at 7 a.m. I thought no one came to pray at 7 a.m. I was wrong. I turned up, I could hardly get in the room. There's such a hunger that is stirring in the church. And... What does it mean? I mean, my job is really, um, I had the great privilege of trying to hold together and and sort of be a scout for what I just sense God doing in this moment. And here's what I sense God is saying. That God wants the room. And not only that, but we are to make room for God in what we do here as a church. So I've called this talk, Make Room. 
okay? If you like wanna write things down or remember things, the title of this talk is Make Room. Habakkuk 1.5 says this, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed for I am gonna do something in your days that you would not believe even if, I, even if you were told. And my sense is that the Lord wants to make room in this moment in us as a generation, in our church community, in our connect groups, that he wants to make room in your life for something extraordinary that is gonna happen in the years ahead. And I've never been more excited than this moment. So as we launch into what I'm gonna look at today, um, know that this comes from my heart for you as a kind of pastor. And I guess as a bit of a dad, if I'm allowed to be a dad at the age of 45, well, I am a dad, I've had three kids of my own. But for all of you, particularly you guys at the service who are so young, my heart is that, that like you would hear something of what God is doing in this moment and it would break open the possibility of God changing your life radically for generations and generations to come. Does that make sense? That God would so move in this time that as you make room for him, he would do something radical in you. So I want to go to a passage that may be familiar to you. Um, Luke chapter 7 the story of Jesus being anointed by a sinful woman. And we're going to read this together. Um, and I want you to look at the characters. There's Jesus, there's a Pharisee, and there's a sinful woman. And watch the different responses to what happens in this moment. So Luke chapter 7, verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. she stood behind him at his feet weeping she began to wet his feet with her tears and she wiped them with her hair she kissed them and poured perfume on them when the Pharisee who'd invited him saw this he said to himself if this man were a prophet he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is that she is a sinner Jesus answered him Simon I have something to tell you tell me teacher he said Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to make him pay, pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet. She wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Three things that I just sense God is saying in this moment. Number one, make room for the presence of Jesus. Make room for the presence of Jesus again. 
read in this passage how this woman comes in, she breaks open this alabaster jar and she weeps at the feet of Jesus. She doesn't go for the, the polite thing to do. She doesn't go for her safety zone. She doesn't go for like the norms of the culture or the expectation of her parents or the things that she feels if she does, God is gonna love her more for. She runs straight at Jesus and she breaks open the most valuable thing she would have had in the whole world. An alabaster jar normally for burying the dead, uh, like a year's worth of perfume poured out on the feet of Jesus. Once you break open that jar, you are putting it back together. She sees Jesus and she thinks, this is my chance. I'm going to slip in the back. And then she runs for him and she throws herself at his feet and she weeps and she cut, like, takes her hair and washes his feet with her hair. And she is like, oh, Jesus, you're here. This is my moment. That's what desperation looks like. Let me tell you, there are two attitudes at play here that are both at play in my heart, even as I speak to you tonight. One is of the cynical Pharisee, who's like, I'm going to hold myself back. I'm going to make myself look good. I'm going to keep myself contained. I'm going to stay within the boundaries of norms and my religion. And Jesus says to him, you notice, he says, you've judged correctly. Wow. I don't want Jesus to say you judged you got it right. I don't want to judge correctly. I want to be at the feet of Jesus. It's different knowing about Jesus to experiencing Jesus. And there's a bit of me, if I'm really honest, that always reverts back to that Pharisee cynicism. The other attitude is the attitude I want, which is of an extravagant worshiper who goes for the feet of Jesus, who, who pours herself out in front of him. One of the things I've been really challenged by in the last few days, really, as I prayed, preparing this talk, is I felt the Lord say to me this, Al, you've got to stop seeking my hands and start seeking my face. You have so often, so long in our church culture, we've been like, hey, what are you gonna do, God? Are you gonna break through in this area? Can you pray for this need I have, this list I have? Can we see your hand at work? And don't get me wrong, it's wonderful seeing what we're seeing. Like when you open this sheet up and you see, this is so impressive. I'm so stunned by all the things that are going on here. Like all the stats, like 900 guests on Alpha, 400,000 meals fed, you know, 600 people attending Hey Baby each week. That's amazing. God's hand is definitely at work. But God is calling us to seek his face. Make room today for the presence of Jesus in your life. I mean, maybe your heart feels cold today. Maybe you're standing on the margins. And maybe you've really struggled to make sense of Jesus in this moment. Let me encourage you that he's good, he's kind, he's beautiful. He can satisfy the deepest longing of your heart. And he's here. Have you noticed that something's changed? I mean, I noticed it when I walk in the room here. On one level, nothing's changed. I mean, everything's the same. But there's a sense that Jesus is here and it's not, I mean, I have to pinch myself, but I keep so saying, people, are you feeling this too? And like, they're like sensible people who are not like prone to like, mm, you know, getting all excited. They're like, yeah, something's changed. God's kindness, God's grace, God's presence. And what I sense is there's an expectancy that God is going to meet with you that I've not seen for a very long time. 
Hands up, you feel a new expectancy that God is here. It's not just me. And if it's not you, don't feel your pressure to put your hand up. Like he's still here, whether you can see him or not. And the analogy I've been trying to use when I've explained what I feel God is doing is um, one of, um, well, Naomi and I went to meet the king, King Charles. And he was Prince of Wales then, so it was like before he became the king, but I'm going to call him the king because he's kind of the king. And we were told that, you know, he'd be arriving at this place at a church leaders gathering and there was um, maybe 200 people in the room and the room was packed out and people were really excited. Everyone got dressed up. They were ready. You know, he's going to come in the door any second and we were told he's going to arrive at a certain point and he didn't arrive at that point. It was like security and all this stuff. And um, we were like lined up in like groups of six to meet him. Apparently he kind of loves to go around and have a quick chat with people and then he moves on, chat to the next group of people. And uh, we had a cup of tea, cucumber sandwich as you do when you meet the king. And, and Nye and I were there. We're like, do you think he's here yet? And I was like, I don't no is he here is he here and we could see the room everyone was like wow looking around like what's going to happen and then there was this moment when the king walked in the room now we couldn't see him but you could just tell from the way everyone's attention expectancy and their focus changed from being like everyone was like wow you know he's here the king is here they carried on eating cucumber sandwiches they carried on drinking their tea they carried on chatting but something changed the presence of the king had entered the room. And that's the sense that I have for the church in this moment, that Jesus wants the room back again. Jesus is walking in the room and he's calling you and I to pay attention, to make room, to get ready. And so my, my sense is in this season, we want to just make room for Jesus. We're going to strip things back. You know, we, 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 I think we got so good at kind of like doing stuff at church that almost like we'd forgotten that we need to just stop and make room for Jesus. So if I'm honest with you, what we're going to do for as long as it takes is really just let Jesus lead our meetings and let God have control of the steering wheel of the church and just ask Jesus, would you walk in the room each Sunday and would you change people's lives? That's far more exciting to me than like doing religion. Amen. And there's something stirring in the area of prayer. The Spirit and the Bride in Revelation, it says, say, come. It's the only line the Holy Spirit has in the whole Bible. And he's praying, come, come, Lord Jesus. And I wonder in this season, if you join with others and begin to pray that prayer, would you come? Would you come to the people of East London? Would you come to the church? Would you stir up an awakening in our time, in our land? Will we pray for revival? I've given up praying for revival. But honestly, my heart is convinced there's no other strategy in heaven than to pray for an awakening in our generation. There's nothing else that's going to solve the challenges we face than Jesus walking in the room. And to do that, we've got to learn to pray for revival again. I'm done with burying teenagers. I'm done by watching people's lives ruined by addiction, by betting, by crime, by pornography. This is a season for us as a church that's so in tears. If you found yourself crying in the last week, the Bible says this, those who sow in tears will reap in what? Joy. Could it be God is calling us to learn again, to say, come. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Let's get on our knees and pray. 
So, you know, church, church news that we haven't done because um, of time, but just uh, the things in church news I would need to tell you about is this Tuesday night we're gathering here for Kingdom Come. And I'd love you to come and bring all your friends because we're going to get serious about asking Jesus to fill East London with his presence. We've begun to see first fruits of it. We begin to see people come to know Jesus in amazing ways. But could we get together and get on our knees this Tuesday night? So cancel your plans. If you've got a hot date, bring them. It's going to be a great night. Let's get together and let's just make some space to meet with God on Tuesday night. All right, is that good? Kingdom Come here Tuesday night. And also Thursday mornings, we gather 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. We might go a bit longer because we're getting too big for the room, but um, it might be that we stretch that a bit. But at 7 a.m., come along in that little chapel and we'd love to pray. Imagine what could happen if we pray, come and fill the church with your presence, Jesus. And honestly, we're seeing this happen week in, week out. I was talking to someone last week who'd come the week before for the first time and they gave their life to Jesus. They said, there's something here. There's a presence here that they felt was real. And that's what we want is the presence of Jesus, right? Okay, first thing, make room for the presence. Second thing, make room for a holy passion for Jesus. Verse 44, she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I've entered has not stopped kissing my feet. She poured perfume on my feet. I tell you, her sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. This woman shows costly love. It's extravagant. It's almost wasteful. She pours out a passion for Jesus. Why? Because she's experienced love. You know, if you've come forward and repented of your sins and experienced the joy and the freedom that comes from the love of Jesus, let me tell you what happens next. Your life overflows in worship. And it's extravagant, and it's costly, and it deals with your pride. It deals with, am I looking okay? Do I sound okay? Do I sing in tune? It doesn't matter. We get wrecked by grace, and the response is we cannot help but praise. And I love it. Let this be a season of extravagant worship for us as a church. Like, let this be a moment where we just say, oh, Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you. And let me tell you, if your heart is cold as I say this, Come again to the foot of the cross tonight. Come and lay down your pride. Lay down your burdens. Lay down your agenda. Lay down your striving. And let God love you again. And you're going to find that not only will he break your heart, but he'll fill your house with his fragrance. So make room for Jesus. It's my conviction that a compromised heart can't carry the presence of God in the way he intends you to. So can I encourage you to not leave tonight without having made your heart right? If you're here and you don't yet know Jesus, I'm going to give an opportunity to give your life to him in a few minutes' time. It will be the most important decision you make because it has eternal consequences. The presence of God rests not on perfect people, but on broken hearts. And if that's you tonight, let me tell you, Jesus is speaking to you directly. A broken and contrite heart, he will not despise. He wants you to come. So make room for passion for Jesus. Like we were hearing from Penny, like the Connect Group's amazing place to actually unpack this stuff. And passion isn't something you hold on to, it's something you give away. That's why it's costly, it's extravagant. 
That's why um, we're taking up an offering as part of this, because we want to be costly in our worship. That's why so many of you give your time at Lighthouse. It's amazing. If you've never been to Lighthouse, take a day off work. Like, just go and see what God is doing. Go and love some people. Go and pour out your heart. Go and serve Jesus. He's at Lighthouse every Wednesday. You can go get to hang out with him. He looks different to how you might imagine him to be, but he's there. And then the third thing is make room for the peace of Jesus. Make room for the peace of Jesus. Luke 47 says this, Luke 7, 47, therefore I tell you, many sins have been forgiven. And then Jesus ends it, these words, your faith has saved you. Skip forward to the end of this verse. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Can we just get that slide up, Mike? Is that all right? Just the next one down. Click through, that's it. That, and again, thanks so much. No, that's it, one more, one more. Keep going. Now read that with me. Can we read that out loud? Jesus said to the woman, you ready? Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. What an amazing thing that you can go in peace tonight. As you make room for Jesus in your life, the gift he wants to leave you is peace. We thought we were here for gift day. We were going to like fit in a form and, <laughs> and we were going to give. No, no, no. God gives more than we do. God cannot be outgiven. And tonight it might be he wants to give you peace. I believe in this season as a church as we make room for him, one of the markers that God is on the move is a sense of peace. We're living in the midst of the greatest pandemic our generation has ever faced. It's not COVID. It's a mental health pandemic. Anxiety, depression, fear, self-harm, suicidal ideation. But you don't need me to tell you that because you've never known a time like this. And Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And I believe even tonight, he wants to release peace in you as you make room for him. I heard this from one of our young people who said this on reflecting on last Sunday, the, the time we had praying, which was amazing. He said this, God has done more in a moment than what would have taken me years. Jesus is able to restore you. His presence is able to change your life. And the way you do that is by making room. And you can do that tonight. That's what we're seeing on Alpha. That's what we're seeing on youth. Like youth is amazing. 40, 50 teenagers each Sunday morning down at St. Luke's experiencing peace. One teenager I was speaking to this week, I was asking about youth and they said, you know, it's the one place in my week where my parents don't get at me where my school teachers aren't checking up on my performance, where I'm not being assessed, where I'm not being coached, where I'm not being like, like drilled or, or pushed. And if you're a young person, you'll know what that's like. It's the one place I can go and I can just relax and be myself. What an amazing gift. That's what Jesus does, a spacious place where you and I, as we make room for him, he brings peace in our lives.
So should we make room? Like, could we, as a church in this moment, as a vision, the next six months, the next year, be a church that chooses to make room? And the answer, obviously, is, yeah, we'd love that. But it starts with you and me, because the church is made up of you and me. So every one of us right now has a decision point to make. Are we going to sit like the cynic, or are we going to run like the saved? Are we going to run to the feet of Jesus and say, yeah, we are all in. We want to go all in with you. We want to break open our hearts and come with all our mess at the feet of Jesus. Or do we want to stand back and say, well, you know, I don't really need that kind of thing. And maybe you're here tonight and your heart feels like you want to sit at the back and just be like, mm-mm. And maybe it's because your heart is hurting right now. And you've got hurt along the way and you've been bruised and it's like you need a breastplate to protect you, that that no one would ever let you be hurt again. And maybe tonight Jesus is challenging you and wants to say, come, come and sit at my feet. Come and pour out your heart to me. Because God is the God who makes room. Long before we make room, Jesus makes room. When he's born, he goes as a baby and there's no room at the inn. As a 12-year-old goes to the temple and they get they like, where are you, Jesus? They find him and he's like, I'm in my father's house. All the way through his ministry, he talks about making room. In fact, he says, I'm going to the father in John's gospel so that I might make room for you. In my father's house, there are many rooms. I go there to prepare a place for you. So Jesus is making room. As he goes to the cross, he goes to Jerusalem. He walks through the city. He says, go, there's a room for me, ready, where we're going to have a last supper together. God is already making room. He gathers the disciples in the day of Pentecost in an upper room, and he fills them with his power and his love, and he sends them out. And here we are today, still in the space that God's created for us. The question that you and I have tonight is, will we make room for him? God's making room for you. Will you respond tonight and make room for him? And there's two ways we're going to do that tonight, being really practical. The first is in a moment, I want to give everybody here and everybody watching online the opportunity to respond to Jesus. Now, there might be people here who tonight are not yet Christians. You've maybe walked in, you're like, what is this? Well, welcome to the Church of England. <laughs> I want to encourage you, don't leave tonight without having responded. And if you're here and you want to commit your life to Jesus for the first time, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand because I want to make it difficult. It won't be the hardest thing you do as a Christian, but I don't want it to be too easy. There might be also people here today in the second category who are, you feel like you've been a Pharisee sitting on the fence of your faith. And you feel like your heart has grown cold. And if I'm honest, for a long time, you've been going through the motions of your faith, but it's been empty religion. It hasn't been relationship with God. And I want to give you the opportunity tonight to recommit your life to Jesus. We're not going to do this every week. I want you to take note. This is a moment to make room. So if you're here and you're either not yet a Christian or you feel like the fire has gone out and you want to commit yourself again, in a moment, I'm going to invite you to stand. Now, I want to make it quite difficult. What we're going to do is we're not going to shut our eyes. We're not going to give you some privacy. I know that sounds really like, oh gosh, I wish we'd all close our eyes. Because we're all going to pray for you because we're a family. We get to do this together. And it might just be one person. But I don't want you to leave today without having responded to what God is doing. Okay? Is that all right? If you're online, I don't know what you do. Just like, you know, Talk to your browser 
Um, no, if you're with a friend, talk to them. Um, okay. If you're here tonight and you want to commit your life to Jesus for the first time, or you want to commit your life again in a really significant way tonight, on the count of three, I want you to be really brave and stand. One, two, three. Go for it. Keep going, let their courage, there's one or two more, let their courage. Okay, why don't we stretch out a hand. Uh, before we do that, is there, is there one more person, a bit like bungee jumping, when you see someone go, you think, okay, they didn't die, I can do that. If there's one more person, we'll wait for a moment, thank you, yep, okay, be brave, okay. Would you stretch out a hand towards these men and women? If you're next to them, just lay a hand on them or towards them. And I'm going to pray a prayer that I want those standing to echo out loud if you're comfortable. And it goes, thank you, sorry, please. So say after me out loud if you're comfortable. Lord Jesus, thank you that you died for me. I'm sorry for everything I've done wrong. And this moment, just, just take a moment. If there's things on your conscience, on your heart, just give them to Jesus. Imagine him standing in front of you with his hands out. Just hand them over. They're not yours anymore. They've been bought at the cross. Thank you that you have forgiven me. Thank you that I am free. Thank you that my life now belongs to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can sit down. That is the coolest thing I've seen in a long time. And um, those who stood, we're going to have a chance to pray for you in a moment. Um, uh, can we do some housekeeping? I know it's really boring, but what I want us to do is the second part of responding tonight is the practical bit. And I've undenied about whether we do an offering tonight at all. But do you know what? Um, this has probably been the least fundraising talk I've ever done when it comes to gift day. I don't mind too much. My job as the pastor here is to lay out the needs of the community and share a little bit where we feel God is going. And our job is to respond. And um, we're going to do this with a give card. And let me encourage you tonight. Um, there are four kind of categories of people. You might be here and you might not yet have started giving as part of this church community. Can I encourage you tonight not to leave? If you can sit a saint in your home or you've joined in the last few weeks, Start giving something. It might be one pound. Just move from being a consumer to being a contributor. Move from being a spectator to being a participator. So that's the first thing. You set up a new, I, I want to, I'm giving a new regular gift of, and you can write the number in there. Um, the second category is those who want to increase their regular gift. Now, if you already give here, we have an amazing bunch of people who give regularly. Um, can I encourage you in this moment, as we pour ourselves out in generosity, in response to what we feel God is doing, could you stretch your giving? And honestly, um, I don't want my giving to be eroded by inflation. But more than that, I, I honestly believe God is on the move. So my wife and I, we feel really challenged about this, that we in this moment would be extravagant. We'd break open the alabaster jar of our heart, confident 
that it's to God that we're giving and therefore will not be put to shame, if that makes sense. Not going to be wasted. The third is that you might want to give a one-off gift. And again, that's a brilliant way to give. Um, you know, if you're here and you, like, you don't regularly give, but you think, I want to catch up, I'm going to give a one-off gift. That's a great way to do it. And then fourthly, um, old school, if you've given a cash gift in the offering, which we'll take up in a minute, you can write it on there and it helps with like, um, gift aid or whatever. Um, so what I'm going to do is, I, I'm, I'm normally like fill it in with you guys, but we're not going to do that tonight. Instead, we're just going to wait. And we're actually, I'm going to get the worship team. Kaz, would you come up with the worship team? We're going to worship while we do this. Um, and we're going to take a few minutes just to pray. And if you want to fill this in, you're free to. If you want to like doodle and write like, hey, Al, thanks so much for church. It was fun. You can write that and chuck it in the bucket. That's fine. Um, but we want to just have a moment where we do this as an act of worship together. So we're going to do this as we take up our offering. Um, in a few minutes' time, we'll gather it all in. There's no compulsion to give. If you're like visiting tonight, treat this as a normal offering. Um, but let me pray. Heavenly Father, we want to make room for you tonight. We thank you for what you're doing in this place. And we pray that as you have poured out your presence in a remarkable way, even the last few days and weeks, as you brought people to your heart, that you would help each one of us here tonight respond with extraordinary generosity. As we make room for you, for your presence, that you would do more than we could ask or imagine. We pray that we give you the maths, God. We pray that you take care of it. And um, yeah, come, Lord Jesus. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. If you'd like to find out more, give or connect with us, visit our website, saint.church. Have a great week and we'll see you soon.